each shoulder. Each. Yeah. I just got to push that button right there. All right. Amen. We're good to go now, right? Good. Amen. I appreciate the spirit of the school, the young people, the staff. I got to spend some time with the staff. I've met a lot of the parents uh, that of the, the young people we have at, at the college. And, uh, but to get to spend some time with Brother Hamilton, I, I've seen him a few times at the uh, conference. I know Brother Schwartz from being from our place, but uh, I got to spend some time with Brother Cook and his family. I didn't know him as well. And, uh, but uh, you all have a great place here. I hope you know that. Uh, at, at our church, I, we, I hear preachers come in and they say that a lot. And, uh, and sometimes you go to the church and, and you, you don't, you, don't uh, you know, familiarity breeds ingratitude. And uh, I want you to know you got a great church. Great, great preacher and, and great uh, staff and, and uh, some, some pretty good teenagers too. Uh, at least the girls. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. I enjoy going soul winning with the boys today. And uh, some, some pretty bold boys, uh, they attacked that park and, uh, and just uh, went out and, and talked to the, the, the kids and the parents and, and so did a great job. But I've been honored to be here and to, to be able to preach to your young people. I'm thankful to just be able to, to have a part in uh, uh, preaching to them. I'm thankful I get to teach, well, some of them at the college. No, I'm just kidding. I, I really enjoy it. They, they make it fun. I told them I got in trouble for doing stupid stuff when I was in college. Not sinful stuff, stupid stuff. And when I say that, different ones say different names uh, sometimes of, of students uh, th that you all know. And uh, so, but, uh, but I enjoy it. I do. I've got like almost all of them in one of my classes right now. Uh, the guys anyway. And uh, yeah, pray for me. And uh, so, but, uh, but I enjoy it. I, I sure do. And, uh, and I'm thankful for them. And uh, thank you for trusting us with your young people. And if you ever have any questions uh, or needs, uh, call Dr. Jorgensen. Uh, so, uh, First Peter chapter 4, and, uh, or Brother Fisher. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. If I can help you, you let us know. First Peter chapter 4, and uh, I want to uh, be a help to you. And uh, boy, I hope I've helped uh, the young people at the school. I just preach, with, preach from my heart. Sometimes that gets, uh, you know, uh, barnstorming, window rattling, and sometimes it's like today, just, uh, uh, you know, just sharing some common, uh, common sense, uh, practical stuff. So uh, tonight, a little bit of both uh, uh, probably, but First uh, uh, Peter chapter 4, let's read verse, we'll start in verse number 7. I'll probably just read verse 7. We'll preach from verses uh, 7 through uh, verse number uh, uh, 13 or 14, but we'll just read verse 7 to get started, uh, all right? And, uh, and I want you to see it here, verse number 7, all right? The Bible says, But the end of all things is at hand. I don't know if you watch the news, but even going soul winning, the people on the, that, that aren't in church and don't work for CNN, they know. Teenagers today talk to you and say, well, with all that's going on in the world, teenagers saying that. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Verse 8, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. 
Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Look back up in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. I want to preach on this subject. Doomsday preparation. What to do when the world is coming to an end. Because it is. Now you can apply this message to the whole world, or you can apply it to your world. Because I'm going to be real honest with you. Whenever I don't have, we are, we're remodeling our kitchen. When I don't have a kitchen and my car breaks down and my father-in-law has knee surgery and my wife is there and her car breaks down and I have to go get her and at the same, you know, all that's going, look, your world could be coming to an end, all right, in more ways than just uh, Gaza, Okay. So you can apply this however you want, however it's needed to you. But in the whole spectrum of things, this whole thing's coming to an end. But you may be here tonight and you may be thinking, my whole world's coming to an end. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's spiritually in your walk with God. I don't know. But what do you do when the world's coming to an end? The Bible says in verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. What do you do when that's, when that's going on? Let's pray and then, and then we'll talk about it. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your power and your spirit. I pray it'd be a help to the church. Lord, I pray for those that are here tonight, Lord, who maybe uh, they watch the news and, and fear grips their, their heart and soul, maybe even controls their life, controls their spirit. Lord, I pray this message would be a help to them as a Christian. Lord, I pray for the Christians that are here and Lord, they don't even have time to fear Gaza because their, their world, their, their world is in upheaval. Lord, I pray that this message would help them. God, I pray that your will would be done and that you would get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter writes this, this epistle to Christians who are suffering terrible persecution. Now, I don't mean doors were slammed in their face or someone said something negative about them on Facebook. I mean, they were being killed. They were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. And Peter tells them the end is coming. I mean, like the end of their life. The end, the end of this persecution would be the end of their life. And it's coming. In fact, the end is at hand. It's here. Matthew 24. I'm not going to read that for sake of time. But Matthew 24 details some of that. 2 Timothy 3 is a real good indication that we're in the last days. And I'm sure you've read that or heard that preached on recently. But it talks about how perilous times shall come. And it details basically. Uh, reasons why the Democrats win elections. And, uh, and so I don't think any student of the Bible could deny that we're living in the last days. In fact, Scripture tells us that we have been for some time. Now, many would say that the World War II generation is the greatest generation. And I, I, would, I believe I would second that. I would amen that. However, one must believe that the millennial generation would be an awful close second. I'm talking about 80s babies. Okay. I mean, we basically have watched the world end six times in our lifetime. Think about this. The Cold War. It was all going to end. Remember? Russia was going to blow us up. Young people, just bear with me and trust what I'm saying, okay? Russia was going to blow us up. It was all going to end. 
we made it through. The Gulf War, Saddam Hussein was going to own America, and we made it through. Y2K. <laughs> now, I will say this. The generation that prepared for Y2K, a little smarter than the COVID generation. We were stocking green beans and corn, not toilet paper. Those, for those of you looking at me saying, what is Y2K? They thought that the computers were all going to shut down. And because of that, all the banks were going to shut down. And because of that, the whole world was going to explode. And so the way to solve that was to buy all the green beans and bottled water and save it and put it in the basement. Y'all remember that? Some of you older ones, how many of y'all bought green beans and water? My grandma did. And then when the New Year's came, which we always had church on New Year's back, back in the day in the mountains, we had church in, uh, watch night service. And we're at watch night service and we're praying, all right, on Y2K, praying with one eye open. Is the electric going to go off, you know? And after midnight, when the, the clock, when the clock hit midnight and you was praying, it was like, really? That's it. And nothing happened. But we made it through Y2K. Then you know what? 9-11. That was going to be the beginning of the end. That terrorist attack was going to start in New York and then they was going to start, you know, attacking all the way across. And then and we, and we made it through 9-11. And then Obama. <laughs> it was going to be the end of America. And we made it through Obama. And then COVID. That was going to be the end of the world. And we made it through COVID. And then Joe Biden. Now, we haven't completely survived that one yet, but almost. Then COVID again, and we made it through that one. And now the end, of, the end is at hand again because there is a major conflict in the Gaza Strip. Do you realize why those, those two are fighting? Uh, and this ain't the sermon. I wish I could preach this sermon. You can preach this sermon. Uh, one man... Didn't want to wait on God. And a, another man didn't obey God. I'm talking about Abraham and I'm talking about Saul. And it's still affecting their families. Think about that as you live your life. You don't live unto yourself. If you want evidence, turn on the television. But as that battle rages and you got China talking about it and you got North Korea talking about it and the value of the dollar sinking and gas prices are going up and interest is up and the stock market is down and you only get mugged if you go downtown and <laughs> chickens are laying golden eggs, the banks are on welfare. There's shootings and mobbings and the LGBTQ, LBC, DOGG, NYFC, NCGC are all the time making loud noises. Everywhere protesting. Have to have bills passed to keep 
perverts with scalpels away from our children in our schools. There's a seaweed blob twice the size of the United States heading towards Florida. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about that one. If it was California, we probably wouldn't mind, but Disney World is in Florida, all right? Earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, ice storms, and snowstorms. And that's just this year in Kentucky. Crazy weather. They had to change insurance. I don't know if that's how it is in North Carolina, but because the wind pattern has changed in the United States, I don't know if anybody here sells commercial insurance, but the Midwest of the United States, they had to change their ratings. And they had to rate like Illinois and Kentucky and, and a few other of those Midwest states as wind states, where normally those are reserved for the coast over here. Y'all are probably a wind state. But, but we've had so much wind damage that now we, we're rated a wind state, and now uh, it's a percentage instead of the whole thing. I mean, it's just all those changes, and, and it's all because of the weather patterns and all this. I know y'all hear other people say this, and you don't want to hear this at church. Now listen, I'm not here to tell you to blame somebody like a Fox News consultant. I'm not here to tell you to bury your head in the sand like a CNN consultant. I'm not here to tell you to burn everything down like some radicals from both sides would do. I'm here to tell you what Peter tells us to do, that the end, of, the end is at hand, so what do we do? Do we run and hide? Do we dig us a bunker and just hide? Well, then you can't fulfill the Great Commission and be an obedient Christian and please your Father. You can't. Okay? That's not why He left you alive. If you're alive, He left you alive... The reason he hasn't thrown your fig tree into the fire is because he wants you to bear fruit. That's the only way you can please your father and glorify your father is that you bear fruit. So do we go crazy? Do we blame everybody else? Do we worry ourselves to death? Or do we give in to the hedonistic pleasure and do what everybody else is doing? Well, according to Scripture, Peter gives us some things here that we can do in preparation for the world to end. Because bad news if you're living for this world. It's going to burn. It is going to end. So what do I do? Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, get serious. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. What does that mean? Serious. Not wild. The word sober means a disciplined mind. Avoiding the intoxicating elements and allurements of the world. Sober, spiritually steadfast, mentally alert. First Peter 1 tells us to gird up the loins of our mind. What does that mean? Pull up your mental britches. Tighten the belt of your mind. Stop being such a free thinker. Stop being someone who lets your mind wander. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about. The Bible says in Titus 2 that the aged men are to be sober and the aged women are to be likewise sober. Why? Because in, in verse 4, that they're to teach the young women to be sober. And verse 6, they're to teach the young men to be sober. You know why we don't have very many sober-minded young men? Because we don't have very many sober-minded older men. My generation isn't very sober. Therefore, the younger generation hasn't learned how to be sober or serious. Same is true with the ladies. We are drunk. We're not sober-minded. 
When it comes to our minds, we're stumbling, mumbling, fumbling, drunk. We're entertainment drunk. We're sports drunk. We're fun drunk. We're pleasure drunk. We're personality drunk. We're pride drunk. Gaming drunk. Movie drunk. Music drunk. We fill our hearts and minds with, 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 with all of that entertainment and then we wonder why we can't be serious if it's not funny. If it's not entertaining, we will watch a three-hour movie about an action. Uh, we will watch a three-hour movie about a superhero or about a Star Wars land that doesn't exist, and we will sleep through a thirty-minute sermon. We're drunk. Have no real, uh, many of those things that we love have no real or lasting meaning. And some of them aren't bad. We, we have hobbies and funds that we, uh, fun things that we live for that aren't inherently wrong, but they aren't sober either. Listen, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew 4, it wouldn't have been wrong if he ate, or if he turned some stones into bread. Dude hadn't ate for 40 days. Wouldn't have been wrong if he said, I'll take one of them Texas Roadhouse rolls. Wouldn't have been wrong. Wouldn't have been sinful. But it wouldn't have been in the will of God. It wasn't God's will for him to do that. And he had his mind on doing God's will and doing what the Father said for him to do. And he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He said, there's some things that are more important than what I want to do and what I think is right to do. He was serious. We play too much. We play house. We play church. We play ministry. Instead of being serious. Number two, we need to get spiritual. Verse number seven. He says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Everybody okay? I wrote this sermon on the airplane. As I was writing it, the man who was sitting next to me, he's reading over my shoulder. And he sees the bold print. What to do when the world's coming to an end. Now, if you were sitting beside somebody on an airplane who's riding, what to do when your world's coming to an end. It's a wonder he didn't call the stewardess to get me kicked off the airplane. But he's reading. I could tell. I mean, you know when you're like, you're like snoop, trying to snoop in somebody's phone and you're like. He wasn't even doing that. He was like. And I saw him reading it. And so uh, I got to the second point. Number two, get spiritual. Still in verse seven. But to the end of, but the end of all things at hand, be you therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Watch means give attendance to. Give attention to. Give expectation or, or anticipation to. Be dependent upon prayer, prayer, prayer. We got to get spiritual. Why? So we can overcome the flesh and so we can operate in the spirit. The end is at hand. I must be spiritual. I cannot end. This thing cannot end with me being in the flesh. You don't want to meet God in the flesh. You don't want God to come back and you be doing it. It's like when your mom would leave and go to the store and she would say, I want this done when I, by the time I get back. You don't want her to come back and that not be done. Or your dad to come back and that not be done. You want it to be finished. You want, to be, you, you want them to come back with you in obedience. It's not time to panic or time to party. It's time to pray. Amen. It's not time to criticize. It's time to call out to God. And I'm not talking about mealtime or bedtime, but I'm talking about real prayer. Jesus with the disciples, he said, will you watch with me? Will you pray? They said, we'll die with you, Jesus. 
He said, how about just give me an hour? They couldn't even give an hour. They fell asleep. They promised their life and couldn't provide an hour. Anytime Jesus faced a difficulty, he spent time praying. If, if that's him, I think we would do well to do the same. The end is at hand. We should get spiritual. As I'm writing this, the man looks over and he says, you're really giving it to him, ain't you? He said, when does it get encouraging? I said, well, the end of the world's not too encouraging. Number three, get to serving others. You know, the crazy part is, is when the world starts ending, you know who we start thinking about? Me. My mom, she didn't get saved for a long time. I ended up leading her to the Lord after I was uh, out of Bible college and on staff for a while at Clay's Mill. But, uh, but while I was riding the, the, the church bus to church, and even when I was in Bible college, she was lost. And uh, she would always tell me, she said, you got to look out for number one. You got to take care of number one. Ain't nobody going to take care of you. You got to take care of number one. And listen, that's a worldly philosophy. And that sounds good, and we like that, and that'll build a business. That'll, that, that'll get, you, get you ahead uh, if you're, if you're uh, working in a bank or if you're working in, in stocks or if you're, if you're trying to climb up the corporate ladder. But that's not a biblical philosophy. Even if the world's ending. Look at verse 8. He just said the, that the end is at hand. Verse number 8. Then he says, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Verse number 9, he says, use hospitality one to another. Verse number 10, he says, minister the same one to another. He says, have charity, have hospitality, and minister or serve one another. Wow. First Peter 4, 9, he says, use hospitality one to another without grudging, without grudging. First Corinthians 13 tells us that a life lived without charity is a wasted life. It tells us in First Corinthians 13 that you can know you can show and you can bestow. But if you don't have charity, you're a big zero. <laughs> the end is at hand. That's what, and, and we see so many pull in and pull back and pull away. First Thessalonians tells us there'll, there'll be a falling away of the church. Folks dropping out, folks pulling back. The end is not the time for the Christian to quit or even slow down. It's time for us to give it all we have to love and care for others. Romans 12 says that we're to distribute to the necessity of the saints. We're to be given to hospitality. The world will tell you and the talking heads and the radio voices will have you looking out for yourself and caring only for you. But we are to be ministers of the goods and good stewards of the grace of God. The world says make all you can, save all you can, box all you can. And that may be good economics and that may be good estate planning, but that's not good Bible. The Bible says serve all you can, give all you can, love all you can, help all you can. I was preaching in a church in the Midwest at a revival and Brother Dallas was there preaching with me and the month of April previous to this had been very hard for us. We, we'd actually lost, we lost a baby in 2018 in April. We lost a baby in 2019 in April. COVID hit in 2020 in April. This is 2021 and our washer and dryer went out. Uh, April wasn't our favorite month. Okay. It's, and it's a devil because we have NYFC in March and it's always a spiritual high. 
And listen, that's, you have a spiritual high, and let me tell you what's going to happen. Then came Amalek. Right, you just had Larry Brown. That's a really good sermon. All right. Then came Amalek. Then came Amalek. Amalek's going to be sitting there waiting on you. And, uh, and so he's, he, if you have a big spiritual time, the devil's going to attack. All right. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, and so uh, we were praying about it and trying to figure it out. And, you know, buy a used washer and dryer, find something until and we can save. I don't like going into debt. Uh, and that's why I, I don't like his kitchen. And uh, so but uh, but anyway, uh, and so, you know, we're trying to figure it out. And so uh, so we uh, uh, I go to preach at this church. And uh, and, and I, I'm sitting on the front row and Dallas preaches and and at, after Dallas preaches, I go to the altar and pray and I come back and I pick up my Bible. And when I pick up my Bible, I, I grab it. And when I grab it, I, it, it kind of flies open and I see there's money there. And I thought, oh, somebody put some money in my Bible. Well, praise the Lord. And, you know, sometimes when you finish preaching, people shake your hand and slip you money. And, and it's like, oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. And, uh, but they put it in my Bible. I was like, well, hey, that, that's great. Well, praise the Lord. So we get in the van, and, and I was like, hey, Brother Dallas, I said, anybody put any money in your Bible? He's like, no. He said, uh, somebody shook my hand and put money in my, in my hand. Nobody put no money in my Bible. Why? I said, somebody put money in my Bible. He said, well, how much? And I'm counting that money. I'm like, not much. He's like, no, man, how much money was it? I said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. He's like, no, man, how much money was it? I was like, I don't think I should. I probably shouldn't share it. I shouldn't tell you. And he's like, no, man, come on, man. How much money was it? I said, brother, there's $1,500 in my Bible. He said, no way. I said, yeah. From then on, every time I go to the altar, I set my Bible right here. And I just, I just leave it. And I pray. You know what I did with that $1,500? Bought a new washer and dryer. Every time we do laundry. Praise the Lord. See, hey, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But let me tell you something. You know what I found out? I found out that that big need was answered, hey, from a little church. I still don't know who did it. I asked the youth pastor there, I said, hey, man, I said, you, do, you wouldn't know who would have put that money in my Bible, do you? He said, what money? I said, somebody put money in my Bible. I said, you know, who, who in the church could have? He said, I'm not sure. I said, well, here, here's a thank you card. I said, if you know, still don't know who it was. But I tell that story every, I, I, as much as I can. You know why? Because, listen, God, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. You, you. you cannot, and I know you've heard it a million times, but you can't outgive God. Even if the world's coming to the end. Or you can hunker down, you're four and no more. But listen, it's about others. It's about others. Jesus was dying on the cross. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to take care of my mama. I'm going to take care of John. Hey, uh, hey, thief, take care of you. Hey, all y'all that are crucifying me right now, I'm going I'm to make sure y'all, Lord, Father, forgive them. He's dying on the cross. His world's coming to an end. He wasn't thinking about him. You know who he was thinking about? Others. Others. Serve others. Number four, quickly. Get to spreading the word. Get to spreading the word. Verse number 11 talks about uh, speaking the oracles of God. Speaking the, if any man speak, let him speak the oracles of God. We need to make sure that we're sharing the word of God. Everybody's loud in our world. Hollywood's loud. Every social group you can imagine that has a voice is screaming in the church is like, shh, shh, shh. Hey, let me give you this right here. Here, here, here. I don't want to offend you. We're afraid to say anything. We're afraid of being too Christian. 
Everybody else ain't afraid of being too nothing. The end is at hand. We better get to spreading the word. The word is salvation. We was out so when I thought Jonathan was going to testify. He told y'all about his two. But we get out first door we go to. We lead a man to the Lord. As we're walking down to the next house, there's a teenager moving cars and we start talking to him. And here's what he told us. He said, he said, I've heard about Jesus. He said, but he said, I just I just don't know about uh, how do you go to heaven and how do you not go to hell? That's what he told us. I said, well, you move that car. We'll knock this door. We'll meet you at your house and we'll tell you. And we told that teenage boy, 14 years old, how he could know for sure he's going to heaven. They're looking. We got to make sure we're sharing the word, spreading the word. He's not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. He loves all sinners and he wants to save all of them. He died for all of them. We've got to spread the word. It's like a NASCAR race, man. On that last lap, they don't take their, they don't take their foot off the gas. They hit the gas. They don't care if the, if the brakes fall, uh, go out. They don't care if the wheels fall off. They don't care if they blow an engine. They don't care if they wreck. They're giving everything they got because they know it's the last lap. Well, if this is the last lap, let's not pull in for a pit stop. Let's give it everything we got to spread the word. Number five, this is my favorite one. Probably yours too because it's the last one. <laughs> this man leaned over after he saw this point and he said, now I like that one. Number five, get to shouting hallelujah. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11 says that, uh, well, I got, uh, let, me get, let me get back to it here. I done shut my Bible and was ready to go. Second, first Peter four, look at it. Verse, verse number 11. If any man speak, let him speak the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth that God in all things might be glorified. That God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. What about when the world ends? Yeah, even then. Even then he deserves praise. When the world's on fire, he still deserves praise. Because hey, this ain't our home. Now listen, if you ain't saved, live it up. This is the only heaven you're going to know. If you ain't saved, have a great time. Because this is the only heaven you're going to know. But if you're saved, ah, this is the only hell you're going to know. This is as bad as it gets. We're going to heaven. We're only passing through. This ain't our home. So we can shout hallelujah as it gets closer and they say, boy, it's getting awful bad over there. I know, I can hear them tuning up the trumpet. <laughs> do, 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 do. Or however the trumpets go. <laughs> you can tell I'm not in charge of music. <laughs> Verse number 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But what? Yeah, not complain. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. I mean, whatever you're going through, just say, hey, I get an opportunity to be like Jesus. Something's going wrong in my life. I get to be like Jesus. I get to show Christ through a trial. I get to have the right attitude when I've been done wrong. I get to be Christ-like. 
Verse 13, rejoice, rejoice. I know none of us want the world to end. None of us want to go through hard times or our children to go through hard times. No one wants persecution. No one wants trials and tribulation. But whatever fiery trial that may come, it's either for God's glory or my edification or both. It's for God's glory and my story. It's for His praise and my page. It's to show Him and to grow me. It's, it's for His purpose and His plan and His power and His provision in my life. We're just passing through. Stop pouting and start shouting. Rejoice evermore, the Bible says. The end is at hand. Get to shouting hallelujah. We're going home. It's like you at the mean babysitter's house. And you ask, my, I used to ask my mean grandma on my mom's side. My, my granny on my dad's side is nice. The granny on my mom's side was mean. And I had to stay with her sometimes. And I say, when's mom coming? And she'd say, directly. Y'all know what directly means? Anybody here know that word? That's a country word. It means in a, in a little bit. I say, when's mama coming? Directly. That means eventually. All right. And then she'd be like, in 15 minutes. Oh, ha! Yes! Pick up the toys. Hey, pick up the toys. In fact, put them away. Let's get serious. Let's get spiritual. Let's get to spreading the word. Let's get to serving others. Let's get, let's, let's get, let's get to shouting because we're about to go home. As we get closer and closer to coming to the Lord. In fact, that's the last piece of prophecy to be fulfilled. Hebrews 10.25 says... As you see the day approaching, so much the more. Now, maybe you're here tonight and your whole life is falling apart. Maybe it's your finances, your job, your health, your relationship. I don't know. But maybe it's got you in doomsday mode and you're running around like a Fox News anchor trying to figure out what to do. Get serious. Stop playing. Get spiritual. Start, start praying. Start serving others. Stop, stop thinking just about yourself. Get to spreading the word. And get to shouting that, listen, God is in control. And he has your best interest at heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and you're not saved, listen, hey.